Hello and welcome in to Backlash. Here we go again. 10 a.m. on the East Coast. It's Thursday morning. It's time to be upset about some Philadelphia sports. I'm your host, Mitchell Smedley. You're listening to the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR, as usual, and a very special edition of Backlash. Uh, I might as well just change the name of the show to uh, I Told You So for today because, well, if you aren't aware, the Eagles played a playoff game this weekend. Uh, That was actually Monday night, and it went just about as I said it would because the Philadelphia Eagles are an embarrassment to the game of football in the city of Philadelphia, and they need to fire everybody. That's the headline uh, this week, if you're asking me. But that's okay. Not many people are. Uh, You are by listening to this show, which I greatly appreciate. You can catch it every Thursday at 10 a.m. That may change as we get into the semester. Uh, Until this point, you've been able to catch it Thursdays at 10 a.m., but I will have more information on that as we get get on toward the start of classes. To get that info, you can follow myself or KUR on Instagram. You can follow KUR at Core1670. I just said Core. KUR1670. You can follow uh, the station. And then you can follow me at Mitch underscore Almighty. And you can stay uh, tuned in with all the essential information you need to keep track with Backlash as we get on into uh, Flyers and Sixers season and eventually Philly spring training not too far away. Some some bright lights down the tunnel. But as for now, oh, the disappointment continues, right? We've been in this stretch I was talking about the other week, starting with the World Series loss, the Super Bowl loss, the Sixers choking, the Phillies choking in the NLCS, and uh, another installment, the Eagles choking and completing their choke job as they finish the year 6-7. and seven. After starting out 10-1, and a team with Super Bowl aspirations was bounced in the first round in an away playoff game. And this game was never really in doubt. Let's walk through it. Tampa Bay jumped out to the early lead. They would get up 10-0 on the Eagles uh, and then go up and add another field goal. The Eagles would finally get on the board with Jake Elliott. Uh, And then... They would allow. They would surrender yet another field goal. It was sixteen to three before the birds finally got in the end zone. They would go for two, miss it, uh, and that was really the end of their momentum push. The defense would record several sacks in the third quarter, keeping it a seven-point game. But eventually, a touchdown by Tampa Bay, in addition to a safety, would push the deficit to more than more than enough. To get the job done late in the third quarter, Tampa would add one more touchdown in the fourth quarter. Your final score in the divisional round. I'm sorry, we didn't even make it to the divisional round. Your final score in this wild card game was 32 to 9, Tampa. (laughs) Right? I had to listen to that all night. Um, Wow. The Eagles got outplayed in every single aspect of the game. Was there a defense on the field? Did they ever uh, make it past junior football? Pee-wee football, did they ever learn how to how to tackle? Because there were 10 different plays where the we the uh Tampa Bay offense was able to just undress, undress the Philadelphia Eagles, out physicaling the Eagles all night on the line of scrimmage, but just outmaneuvering them in the open field. 
I mean, James Bradbury, I think he's still undressed on the Tampa field. Uh, that led to the final touchdown for Tampa Bay. But even earlier, players like Zach Cunningham, uh, William Byard, all sorts of guys getting absolutely torched in the open field. It led to first downs. It led to touchdowns. It led to getting back into field goal range on several occasions. And it led to stop any momentum that the Eagles were somehow able to build toward the middle part of this game. Tackling was a crucial issue, and and we'll talk about who's at fault here, but let's continue on. The other issues in this game, the offensive line was not getting any sort of push, and that's a problem. That's been one of the calling cards of the team for how many years now is the offensive line and their ability to go out and and out-muscle people. They were were able to really not do much of, of anything the entire night. The... Wide receivers. Okay, so this is a a problem that I'm not really... I I really didn't think was a problem. But it it sort of is. We've been saying for a while here in Philadelphia that Quez Watkins is not at all the answer and that there needs to be a serious third receiver that steps up. And actually, early in this game and, and later on in the season here, Julio Jones has stepped into that role rather nicely. Julio started off as the hottest receiver in the game. He would eventually leave with an injury and be ruled out, right? So... The Eagles coming in without A.J. Brown. They had Devontae Smith, who had a beautiful game once again, going up, catching balls over the middle finally, uh, and and really caught the one deep ball of the night for the Eagles. Over 100 yards. Devontae Smith had a great game, really the only Eagle you can say had a great game. And behind him, there really just was nobody. Dallas Goddard was targeted, oh, egregiously, multiple times. It didn't work out. And Quez Watkins, Alameda Zacchaeus, they didn't get the job done. There was no receiving. Besides the guy that you want to do well, uh, Devontae Smith, he did rather well. So that's sort of a bright spot, but also very bleak going forward. The Eagles need to figure out their receiver room just when it looked like someone might be rounding into that third receiver position. Julio Jones uh, goes down, and that's very unfortunate. The other problem kind of coinciding with that is your quarterback. Your quarterback last night, I'm sorry, not last night. This is like three nights ago at this point. Jalen Hurts had no idea what he was doing on a football field on Monday night. Jalen Hurts looked lost. Jalen Hurts looked scared. And Jalen Hurts, quite honestly, looked bored for most of the night. He didn't seem to care. His passes on crucial third downs in the beginning of the game were wildly inaccurate. His decision-making, as usual, was terrible. He was not seeing any of the field. He was immediately bailing out when his first read wasn't there. They would show replays when when blitzed. Jalen Hurts had no desire in creating space and then firing the ball downfield. He instead was trying to duck and run for his life. Not not the smart decision. He missed Devontae Smith wide open on several, several occasions in crucial points of the game. And uh, I mean, all of his worries can be summed up quite beautifully in the safety play where he drifted back about 12 yards into his end zone and uh, and fired the ball for intentional grounding after getting belted, after trying to trying to run away and load up. And, and really, who knows what he was doing at that point. Jalen Hurts looked lost. He looked like a chicken without its head on Monday night. So all aspects of the game, the Eagles uh, outplayed really the only Eagle you had confidence in this Monday night, this playoff game. Really, I had two. I had Devontae Smith and Jake Elliott. Thank you very much for for showing up, guys. Uh, 
Devontae Smith and Jake Elliott. Wow. Who would have thought that that's what we were praising after this, if, at, at, to start to this season when the Eagles were 10 and one and there was a ton of credit to go around and there were still things to work out. But I mean, the Eagles started running the ball well with Swift uh, and that, that went away after the first two plays of the game. After that, they couldn't get anything on the ground. And really, it just came down to the Eagles' failure to execute all over the football field. Before we dive any further into this war crime that was committed on Monday night, I do want to revisit something I was talking about earlier. You can follow KUR on all sorts of social media. We got Instagram, TikTok, X, Facebook, you name it. We got face. Uh, we got social media, and uh, you can catch. All the latest updates on your favorite shows uh, and, and all sorts of special information that you otherwise would be in the dark about. How about that? We can talk directly to you, the amazing listener of KUR, right there on our social media. So make sure to go follow KUR all over your social media. Just search Kutztown University Radio on your on, on general, on all of the general platforms that you use most. KUR is a good follow. I, I know the uh, I know them a little bit. I know the people on the team, and uh, I enjoy it at least. Um, like I said, K, uh, KUR can be found at KUR sixteen seventy on Instagram and Kutz Ten University Radio on most platforms. So, just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, really, I was told to throw it out there. So, take that as you will. Hopefully, you can uh, follow them over there. And like I said, you can follow me on Instagram at Mitch underscore Almighty if you want to hit me up with any of your. Uh, your n- notices? What are those called? Your <laughs> observations? Wow, I'm really struggling. This is crazy. I'm not even recording this in the morning. This is uh, Wednesday night, so whatever. I'm a mess, I guess. But uh, if you had any observations from Monday night's disaster, would love to hear about them uh, on Instagram at Mitch underscore Almighty. But let's keep her moving, right? So. The Eagles defensive line, I was going through kind of bit by bit uh, just how awful and outplayed everybody was. Let's let's transition to the defense. And I don't think the defensive line gets enough love for how they played on Monday night. I thought it was actually one of their decent games. Uh, Josh Sweat got in the backfield. Fletcher Cox had a good game. Brandon Graham as well. They were playing well. Uh, you know, the veterans stepping up like they should be. That was great to see. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, they were shut down. Didn't really hear from them whatsoever. But uh, the defensive line I thought was okay. Like I said, they opened the, I don't know if I said it, but I kind of alluded to it. They opened the third quarter with three straight, three straight drives resulting in uh, in punts thanks to sacks by this defensive line. They sacked Baker Mayfield on three consecutive drives in the third quarter, keeping the Eagles in it giving them the ball, the opportunity to go down and tie the football game. It was 16-9 to at this point, and the Eagles put up a grand total of, hang on, let me check my notes, zero points. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's getting it done right there, fellas. Thank you very much, offense, for recognizing the contributions of your brothers in the trenches on the other side of the football. Really appreciated that. So the defense fell apart late. Uh, A lot of those points were scored after this game was totally concluded. Like I said, the two late touchdowns, the one extremely late touchdown. So let's go to how they scored those linebackers. Oh, my goodness. Zach Cunningham, please get off my football team. Uh, Wow. Wow. Buddy needs to learn how to tackle. That was an atrocious display. 
from start to finish. I mean, from the opening gun, Zach Cunningham looked lost. He looked like he wanted to go home. He, like the rest of this team, looked scared to death. Uh, the rest of the linebackers, not much better. Nicholas Morrow was getting beaten coverage left and right. And uh, Hassan Redick, another non-factor. Thank you very much, Hassan. Really appreciate you there, buddy. So that was uh, that's your linebacking core out in full force on Monday night during the playoffs. Supposed to be one of the calling cards of this uh, of this team is is the line plus the linebackers in in Redick and I know Redick's effectively a a lineman, but they use him in such gross ways that we talked about last week. So and Cunningham was supposed to be one of the rising young stars on this team. He is not. Moro, they expected too much out of when they picked him up. Let's head to your big, beautiful secondary. And I didn't hear Avante Maddox's name all night, which is good. That means he's not getting beat, doing what he should be doing. Uh, everybody else, you're dead to me. Kevin Byard, I, I think I called you William Byard earlier. I don't know why I did that. But uh, Kevin Byard, not good. Not a good game. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir, for signing that midseason contract. Um, that was awful. That was awful. He he had, I mean, it was like Zach Cunningham was in the process of missing a tackle, but at least he was slowing the guys down. And Kevin Byard would just come right racing across the field and totally just miss the entire the entire pile of where they were trying to tackle this guy. And it would it would result in first downs. And and Byard is supposed to be the kind of safety valve, right? He's the safety. He's supposed to be the guy that comes in as reinforcement to finish those tackles, and he couldn't even do that. That was so embarrassing watching him just flop his weight across the football field. Uh, James Bradbury, holy smokes. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. How does this happen? How does this happen on a team? How is James Bradbury that bad? How is James Bradbury in a playoff game getting that embarrassed on a football field? This is a veteran. I'll tell you how, because he's old and he's washed and he doesn't have it anymore. But, oh my goodness. James Bradbury just... Aside from the the embarrassing missed tackles that will play on all highlight reels for the end of, till the end of time, I mean he couldn't cover whatsoever. He was getting beat all night. It was a disaster. So was Slay. They look slow. They are slow. They're too old. They're going to be gone. Hopefully, relatively soon. I think Slay has one more year, and Bradbury might have two. But uh, wow, wow, just a gross, gross look from your secondary. Okay, so how how does everybody on a football field get embarrassed like this in in a game that is actually important. It's a playoff game, right? And if you win, you go to Detroit. And if you win in Detroit, you likely go to Santa Clara. And if you win there, you're back in the Super Bowl. Like, it's not unfeasible to think that this team, with all of the name value on this team, could have been in the Super Bowl. It, it became an unfeasible after the last month or so. But how do you get all of these guys looking the worst they've ever played in the biggest game of the season to this point. And the answer to that lies in uh, the, the crucial point for today, and that is coaching, right? So Nick Sirianni, your head coach, uh, Brian Johnson, your offensive coordinator, uh, Sean Desai and Matt Patricia, one of which is your official defensive coordinator. The other is the one actually calling the plays because the first one was so bad. All four of them need to be fired. They need to be gone. They need to be They need to be marched out of the NovaCare complex and thrown into the Delaware River. No, not thrown into the Delaware River, but put on a boat gently and uh, pushed away from the shore of this great city because they have ruined our football team. Thank you very much. They have absolutely 
gutted. Gutted this thing from Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon last year, who I didn't think were potentially, not potentially, who I didn't think were very good. I, I didn't think they had a lot of promise as coordinators. Oh, my goodness. They showed me just how much better than than absolutely putrid they were Be, uh, because the the absence of both of them led to a, a collapse we haven't seen in this city in quite some time. So let, let's start. Let's start with Brian Johnson. Let's start with the play calling for the offense. Wow. It's really bad. It's really bad when you're calling two plays and Jalen Hurts, they were breaking this down on ESPN. Jalen Hurts is doing a lot of checking plays at the line, right? He's They have a, a play number one and a play number two in the huddle. And Jalen Hurts goes up to the line, looks at the defense, and he says, well, this first play we have called isn't going to work. Let me call the second one. And the second play still can't work because they're so bad because it's a million screen passes. Or sometimes they'll just throw it up late just down the field. Um, there's no there's no desire to establish a run a running offense with that offensive line. There's there's no slant passes over the middle to gain easy seven yards on first or second down. These things don't exist to Brian Johnson because Brian Johnson's an imbecile that doesn't know how to run an actual offense in the National Football League. That doesn't know he doesn't know. He thinks this is a he thinks this is a household in the summertime with no air conditioning. We're going to use a lot of screens. We're going to open some windows, have a lot of screens on the on the place. Now, screens are good in moderation if you can actually utilize blitzes and and countering the blitzes to your advantage because what became happening was all the teams of the league would would see you could just blitz Shane Hurts and he doesn't know what to do. He, and the the protection wouldn't hold up. If you established a run, got your offensive line more physical, and had to make the defense worry about stuffing the run up the middle, A, that would free up some protections outside that would get you some more one-on-one matchups. But also, it changes the defense's mentality a little bit from we could just sit back and everybody rush the passer because the run isn't even a threat to now we have to you know keep some guys home and, and wait for the run in case it comes. But now they're able to just absolutely overwhelm your pass protection, right? But if you were running, you could wait for them to start blitzing and utilize your, you know, your good blocking to to then set up a screen because screens are designed to to beat blitzes. They're a quick pass, uh, and then you usually you utilize blocking is is what you do. But no, so th- they call screens as their kind of default when screens should be set up by other plays in your arsenal. Screens should be icing on the cake, but they're trying to eat a screen cake with this offense. It's not working. It's it's not going to work. It, oh, my goodness. Brian Johnson needs to be fired. That's what I'm trying to say here. So we got Brian Johnson, right? That's why he needs to be fired. His disgusting play calling. His offenses are stagnant. I, I, I don't. I don't know how you can score single digits in a playoff game as the offensive coordinator, not against an overwhelming Tampa defense. This Tampa defense has holes. They have holes in their secondary. Their line's okay, not great. How can you put up single digits and keep your job after that? That's disgraceful if it happens. Number two, let's go Matt Patricia. Let's go Matt Patricia. Uh, after Sean Desai left or or was kind of demoted and Matt Patricia became your defensive play caller, the defense got worse. This defense that looked awful got even worse by a factor of 10. 
it got worse. How? How does it get worse? Well, well, I have a great idea. Let's take a really good pass rusher and a, and a really less than great pass defender in uh, in Hassan Reddick, and let's drop him into coverage. That's, that's that's step one. That's how we make this thing totally work. On top of that, we're not going to blitz. We're only going to send four each and every time. Uh, we're going to run the same looks all of the time up front. We are going to do the Jonathan Gannon thing and play off the ball, uh, play like seven yards down the field. That's fun. We always love a good cushion. All of these things. Wow. A defense that just looked absolutely disgusting. A defensive scheme that was set up to fail, and that was exacerbated by players' inability to tackle. They lost sight of all sorts of fundamentals after Sean Desai left. The tackling got so much worse. The penalties got so much worse. They're taking stupid penalties at stupid times. Oh my goodness, it was it was egregious. They they made Kyler Murray look like a superstar. Baker Mayfield look like a superstar. Uh, they made um, why can't I even remember the New York Giants quarterback name? But uh, they made him look incredible in that Week 18 game. I'm going to remember that sometime later in the show. It's the guy before DeVito, and it's not Daniel Jones, but I, I don't know why I can't think of it. Off the top of my head, I'm going to look that one up. I don't know. That's embarrassing to me. But they made all of these guys look fantastic. Uh, not even Geno Smith played against the Eagles. You know who played against the Eagles? That was uh, Drew Locke, and he had a great game, and he beat them. So thank you so much to this defense for not playing whatsoever. Thank you so much to Matt Patricia for ruining something that I didn't think was even ruinable. I was having conversations at my job with everybody about, I'm, you know, I'm excited because when Matt Patricia took over, I just thought, well, it's, it can't get any worse than we've seen. So I like the, I like the idea of shaking it up. It got worse. I did not realize. Wow. I did not realize it could get worse. I was wrong. I was completely wrong. Let's talk about that guy, Sean Desai. Let's talk about Sean Desai a little bit. This is the only one you could theoretically bring back. I don't think you should, but you saw that his defense actually got so much worse after he left. So we're going to have conversations in the offseason. Well, was it the coaching or is it the players are just that bad? I think it's both. I think you're going to have to overhaul both of those things. But for the moment, Sean Desai, just because I have such bigger fish to fry, you can escape, you can escape criticism right now. You suck, but you can escape criticism for now. Let's go to the granddaddy of them all. Let's talk for a little bit on this show about one Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni, what does Nick Sirianni do for this football team? What does he do? No one can answer this question for me. He doesn't call plays. He doesn't, obviously, no defense. He's not a defensive play caller. He's lost the locker room. He's not a, he's not a, a dude's dude anymore. The locker room doesn't like him. I don't even know the last time he challenged a play. I don't know the last time he used his challenge flag. What does he do besides yell at refs and cry during anthems? What does he do? I'm sorry. I'm sure we can hire some intern as the Eagles to, to yell at refs and cry during the anthem. Hell, even, even Big Dom, even Big Dom got in a fight with Dre Greenlaw. Like, that's more productive than anything Nick Sirianni did this season. That fight with Big Dom in the 49ers game gave more energy to the Eagles 
than anything Nick Sirianni did in that locker room, and they lost that game by 30 points. Maybe not 30 because they scored garbage time. But it, it was a game where they deserved to lose by 30 points. That's how the end result played. And that still was uh, was more than anything Nick Sirianni ever did for this team. Talk about watering flowers. Yeah, maybe you should take up gardening, Nick. Because coaching football teams isn't your thing. Maybe you got to find some new hobbies so you can uh, spend some time, you know, gardening or whatever you like to do on the on the unemployment tour. Have fun with that because you have no place on my football team. You don't belong here anymore. Three years is enough. You got three playoff appearances. I don't care. When you have a team this talented, you should have three playoff appearances. But he doesn't even have three playoff wins. Three years, he won two games. He won two games. And that's because he played the terrible, terrible New York Giants who lucked into a win because Kirk Cousins was the quarterback opposing them. And the 49ers after they lost Brock Purdy. In those two games, the defense gave up a combined 14 points. It's not hard to win that game, those games. And those are the only two he won. He had a double-digit lead into the Super Bowl and lost at halftime. He lost. He was down 31 to nothing at one point to Tampa. And he lost this one 32 to 9. Nick Sirianni has a losing record in the playoffs with very talented teams at least last year and this year. Jalen Hurts I'll get into, right? Maybe he's a victim of the quarterback he's playing with. But at some point, you have to look at how this thing collapsed. This was a lifeless team. A.J. Brown was taking these guys to escape rooms to try and rebond with everybody in the second to last week of the season. What are we doing? There's no leadership on this team. You need a head coach that can get in there and kick some rear end. Nick Sirianni talks about water and flowers. Get out of the locker room. Get out of here. Over. Done with you. If Nick Sirianni isn't fired, that's a major embarrassment. I'm sorry, Jeffrey Lurie. I love Jeffrey Lurie. Jeffrey Lurie makes quick moves. He fired Doug Peterson quicker than I would. But do you know why he fired Doug Peterson? Because Doug Peterson lost that locker room. Because all of them quit on that Sunday night football game against Washington. That was Doug Peterson's last game coaching for the Philadelphia Eagles. He lost the locker room. That's what's happened to Nick. On top of the fact that he's a worse play caller than Doug, has a worse resume than Doug. Doug Peterson won his Super Bowl. Against Big Bad New England and Tom Brady. Doug Peterson had a 10-point lead at halftime. Oh, same as Nick Sirianni. Funny how that works out. Doug Peterson won. Doug Peterson won the game. With Nick Foles. With Nick Foles. His top receiver was Alshon Jeffrey that season. Sirianni's got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Who, by the way, Devontae Smith is really rounding into a great young football player. But Sirianni has so much more than that 2017 team. We talked at the start 
of uh, last season and this season. Both teams had more talent on them than the 2017 Eagles. But Nick Sirianni is not part of that talent. He doesn't add anything. He's sitting there taking up space, losing football games. He makes dumb decisions. Last night, Eagles down 13. No, I'm sorry. Eagles down, uh, yeah, 13, I believe. Why do I keep saying last night? Nick Sirianni's messing with my head. Eagles are down by 13 points. 16 points, I'm sorry. They were down by 16. Uh, it's 25-9 to nine at this point. And the Eagles get all the way down the field. They have to eventually settle for a field goal on fourth and six down inside the 10-yard the line. And there's an offsides. I'm sorry, it was like fourth and 10. What am I saying? It was fourth and 10 uh, down around the 15-yard line. The field goal's good. There was offsides. It's fourth and five. Not fourth and one, fourth and two. Fourth and five. And big, beautiful Nick Sirianni decides we're going to take those precious points off the board that we don't have very many of tonight. And we're at a comfortably two-score game at this point, right? Rather than have to make two two two-point conversions, right? It's a two-touchdown game at 13 points. We're going to take those points off the board. And we're going to run a terrible fourth down play. It didn't work. It was never close to working. They threw it short of the sticks, which is another thing that drives me absolutely insane and is indicative of a football team that is not trying to win. When you throw the ball short of the sticks on a must-have at third and or, more essentially, fourth down. And Nick Sirianni took those points off. He went for it. He didn't get it. Nick Sirianni punts when he should go for it, and he goes for it when he should punt. He doesn't know football. This man doesn't know football. He's a, he, he is not a smart head coach. He's not a smart coach of anything. So, Nick Sirianni, I, I hope it's the last we've seen of you, sir. I hope that you are done in Philly. I hope that you, I quite honestly, I hope Dallas hires you because I hate Dallas. I, I would love to see you bring that franchise down. Oh, my goodness. We got we got some news on Dallas as well. We'll get to that in just a hot second. But, oh, my goodness. This pains me. This pains me to watch this team have zero leadership at the helm. Nick Sirianni is fully, fully the biggest problem on this team. And everyone knows how I feel about Jalen Hurts. And I'll save that for next week. My thoughts are, I I still have a lot of thoughts running around. I'll headline them after this. But most of uh, my Jalen Hurts thoughts will be next week. Wow. Wow, wow. I can't believe there's any objection to firing Nick Sirianni. It's so obvious. The team quit. The team quit. They got bounced in the wild card for the second year in three years. Making the playoffs is expected. Seven out of 16 teams make it. The Eagles have had such loaded teams. Yeah, it's absolutely outrageous if they don't make it. They lost six out of seven. There's no one in that locker room that respects Nick. I'm going to rehash points. Let's get into it. Let's get into some more dysfunction. Jalen Hurts talk. Let's do it.
like I said, most of what I have to say will come next week, 10 a.m., same time, same place. Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR, we'd love to have you, of course. Jalen Hurts looked awful. Jalen Hurts looked so awful last night. I turned on my TV and said, wow, he's awful. Wow. And maybe it's a product of a dislocated finger. And he's not a good decision maker. We know that. They blitzed the absolute hell out of him. And he was thrown off completely. Couldn't play. But Jalen Hurts is terrible. He's not a good quarterback. And uh, and we'll explore that further next week. But he actually didn't turn the ball over this game. That's amazing. And uh, he did have that one safety. Did have a safety. So we'll get into that. Another bad game for Jalen Hurts. Not as bad as Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni had a terrible game. Nick Sirianni had a terrible two months. Totally his fault. Um, it's Jalen Hurts' fault too. But I got uh, Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, and Matt Patricia as your top three that need to go. They need to go quickly. This needs to not be a drawn-out escapade. This needs to... This needs to happen, Jeffrey Lurie, because the further you let this infestation, this Sirianni infestation, ruin your football team, the worse it's going to be. The worse it's going to be. I also have some blame for Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman, uh, it, it reared its head, prioritizing the veterans instead of youth. I mean, the Eagles just looked slow. James Bradbury cooked. Thanks for that new contract. Wish we could have had someone like C.J. Gardner-Johnson. By the way, watching Derek Barnett flourish in Houston this weekend is atrocious. That hurt. But it is uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. I thought Howie had a great offseason except for a couple areas, and those areas turned out to be a lot bigger than I imagined. I, I gave Howie very high praise for his offseason. So I'm not going to say you know it was totally obvious, but the philosophy has to have a shift here. We have to have a shift. BG, Brandon Graham, said he wants to come back for one more year and have a farewell tour. That's fantastic. I'm sure he'll get it. I'm sure Howie will make that happen. It's whatever. Um, but otherwise, we need, a, we need a shift from veterans to youth on this team. Because, wow, wow, the veterans got cooked. Fired, Bradbury, Slay. They just look terrible. They just look terrible. So... Got to replenish the youth in the in the secondary, especially. You can kind of rely on some guys to take steps forward. Jordan Davis took a step forward this year. Jalen Carter, I think, has room to grow as well. And maybe Nolan. I mean, Nolan Smith was a non-factor, so of course he can grow. But he's undersized. He's a very small guy for his position. That's going to be an uphill battle for him. But you can kind of let things develop there. Your draft picks have to be spent. In my mind, you need linebacking corner play and a uh, and an offensive lineman to help replace the unfortunately departed Jason Kelsey uh all but confirmed at this point there were reports he already announced it but he has said that there's a lot of emotion and then he needs to take some time and figure it out so i expect Jason Kelsey to be gone and that's a that's a shame that this fiasco is Jason Kelsey's last game in an Eagles uniform obviously one of the greats just such a a great guy but also a great player and Always, always the lifeblood of the Eagles. Obviously, he was such a big piece of the of the tush push. He was such a big piece of the Super Bowl parade with his speech. Uh, he's just been so constant, so constant as a force in the middle of that line. And uh, Jason Kelsey will be missed on this football 
team, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'll still keep a nice high profile. He's Jason Kelsey after all, so I'm sure that he'll still have a, a great impact on the community around Philadelphia. And obviously, he's got media outlets like his podcast where we can still hear from him. So, uh, huge Jason Kelsey fan, and sad to see him go. So let's take a brief look at what else happened this wild card weekend. Oh, it was a busy one. We had the Houston Texans beaten up on the Cleveland Browns. Congratulations to C.J. Stroud. Love to see it. Uh, You had the Kansas City Chiefs beat up on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I I managed to go a whopping one and five in my picks. I had the Dolphins. I had the, the Browns and that was not a good start, but uh, I apologize. You know, you win and you lose some. And I actually, no, I'm sorry. Not one and five. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my sheet here. No, I went two and four. Look at me. Two and four. I got the Monday games correct. So uh, started off bad. Dolphins and Browns both lost. So that means the Chiefs and Texans advanced. Congratulations to them. And then you had on Sunday, right? So the Steelers and Bills, they got pushed to Monday, but you had your Rams and Lions play, and whew, what a great game, by the way. And if the Rams execute whatsoever in the red zone, they win that football game, but it's the Motor City, Detroit, for the first time in decades, winning a home, or winning a playoff game, winning any playoff game. They had lost nine in a row. Congratulations to Detroit. They move on to the divisional round. And uh, then you had the the Buffalo Bills beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank goodness. I don't like the Steelers. And obviously your, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating your Philadelphia Eagles. There's one game I skipped. And uh, I got a good headline for that one. Let me flip back. Oh, yeah. I remember what it was. <clears throat> How about them Cowboys? <laughs> the Cowboys get absolutely embarrassed. Oh my goodness, what a national holiday. It's it's Dallas Choke Day, everybody, and it came a week earlier than it typically does. Wow. The Cowboys get destroyed by the Green Bay Packers. Final score was 48-32. It wasn't even that close. At one point, the score in this game was 48-16, to and that came just a little bit into the fourth quarter. Green Bay put up 41 points in three quarters on this uh, Dallas defense that I was told by Micah Parsons was the best defense in football uh, that just talked and talked and talked and talked all year long. And they got the largest slice of humble pie you could ever imagine. Wow. I mean, just absolutely embarrassing for Dallas. And I am all here for it. Wow. That was, it was really a fun thing to watch, right? I told you on last week's show, I had, uh, I had one of my sources saying that Dallas was primed to be upset and they were picking Green Bay. And I, I said, I, I just don't see it. I, I had I had too much star power on the Dallas team, just all up and down from Prescott to Lamb to Parsons and the rest of that defense. And wow, I mean, I got to start listening to people more often, I guess. So, I mean, when Green Bay scored their first touchdown, it's like, all right, that's nice. They'll hang in a little longer maybe. And then they intercept Dak. They put up seven more. It's like, all right, 14 nothing. Got to start to turn it around, Dallas, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't want you to, but... And then that uh, that drive to go up 20 to nothing. That was like, oh, they're actually here. And then the, oh, the interception, the pick six. 
to make it 27 to nothing. That's when it was over for me. What a what an amazing 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 football game. I love Dallas Misery. And yeah, I was satisfied this weekend because I knew the Eagles were going to lose and I didn't want the Eagles to win, quite frankly. Better draft pick and hopefully it gets Sirianni out of here. So the Dallas loss really felt like a win for me. Uh one of the uh one of the rare days I feel just true unadulterated happiness is watching Dallas lose. So that was uh, an all-timer. That felt like an all-time sort of embarrassment for that city. And by the way, Dallas is sticking with Mike McCarthy. This just broke a little while ago. Dallas is not firing their head coach when it seemed almost, almost inescapable that they would and go after someone like Bill Belichick. Wow, they continue to try and make things work with Mike McCarthy. I don't know how. I don't know how Jerry Jones is allowing that to go. but. Hey, I'm all for bad decisions by the Cowboys. That's my favorite thing in the world. So enjoy another year of Mike McCarthy, Dallas. Oh, you you terrible little city over there. I can't stand Dallas. But I did want to bring up, I did want to bring up, there's a lot of talk about what was more embarrassing, the Eagles or the Cowboys defeat. And it has to be the Cowboys, right? I mean, the Cowboys were the better team all season long. I know the Eagles started 10-1. and one, but no one was ever convinced by this Eagles team. There were a lot of people, Jack Heim at the helm, predicting the collapse of the Eagles for the exact reasons that it eventually happened for. Uh, th- th- this was not unforeseen. The Cowboys lost. I mean, wow. Just last week, they were putting up 35, right? They absolutely dominated teams all year long, but it was the bad teams. It was the the teams that really didn't belong. Even their their destruction of the Eagles came when the Eagles were imploding. I don't know. I I think the amount that Dallas talked separates these two things because Dallas didn't shut up all season long. They acted like they, you know, like their you-know-what didn't stink, and they got absolutely embarrassed. The Eagles just don't have it. They don't have the coaching, and, and they don't have the players this year, and I don't think they pretended to have it. I think the fans pretended to have it. I pretended for a while, but... Dallas, Dallas really thought, Dallas really thought this was going to be the year that they end it, that they end this three decades long embarrassment. And it's just the next and maybe the greatest chapter of them all. So I think also you got 48 points. on You got 48 points hung on you. Oh my God. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Uh, Eagles got 14 points on them late, and that was still only 32. Only 32, I say. Um, but Dallas got 48 points put up by a such a young team. Such a young team. Oh, my goodness. Jordan Love, Christian Watson, Musgraves, the whole thing. The whole thing. They're so young on that Packers team. I, I like watching that Packers team. So, yeah, in my mind, it's not even a discussion. I think that... Uh, I think that the Dallas loss is more embarrassing, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. So, but anyways, let's preview this upcoming week and then let's get into some other, uh, some other talk because I have been talking all football to this point. It's the biggest story. It needs to be talked about. People need to be fired. Heads need to roll, but uh, let's get into uh, this upcoming week, the divisional round, and then we'll transition to some other sports. All right. On a hunch, I'm going to start in the AFC. You got your first round by enjoying Baltimore Ravens, my pick to win the Super Bowl. 
And they are going against the nice uh, Houston Texans, the young team, young quarterback. But uh, the Ravens are better in every conceivable way. I don't want to spend too much time on this game. I think the Ravens could win the Super Bowl. I uh, I think they have the best odds to win the Super Bowl in my mind. I know that Vegas would disagree with me on that. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to defeat the Houston Texans. And lucky for Baltimore, their two largest challengers are going at it this weekend as well, in the AFC at least. So they're not going to have to play uh, both the Bills and the Chiefs because the Bills and Chiefs have one of those classic battles due this Sunday at 6.30. Very excited for this game. We all know what Chiefs-Bills can bring us. It can bring us, oh, I don't know, four touchdowns for Gabe Davis and uh, and still losing for Buffalo uh, in an overtime thriller. It can bring, was that Kadarius Tony Offsides, right? Patrick Mahomes, absolutely uh, irate and, and even, you know, whining to Josh Allen about it. That was crazy this uh, this season. But the Bills and Chiefs, I feel like, really great matchup anytime they're on the field together. So go ahead, give me the, oh, this one's a tough one, right? This one's a really tough call. Oh, but my gut feeling, gut feeling is the Bills. I've bet against the Chiefs all season long. It hasn't really panned out. I think this is the week, their lack of receivers show. Uh, I don't think Buffalo lets what happened in Kansas City in that overtime game happen again. I think it's a hungry Bills team to finally win when it matters against Kansas City. I have Josh Allen and the Bills advancing to the AFC Championship game. That would set up Buffalo at Baltimore. All right, let's take it over to the NFC. First round bye went to the San Francisco 49ers, and they're playing this young upstart Packers team that just embarrassed the Cowboys. But I think that is uh, the one good thing that this Packers team is capable of. I got the Niners. They're better in every way, much like the Baltimore Ravens. They seem like the obvious choice to go to the Super Bowl out of this conference. So give me ugh, Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. Luckily, Christian McCaffrey's on that team. So give me the Niners uh, pretty comfortably in this one to defeat the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers that beat the Dallas Cowboys, by the way. Just thought I'd mention that. Just thought I would throw that one in there. All right. And then finally, we have the Detroit Lions hosting a divisional round playoff game. They are hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off their big win against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care. Tired of seeing them. I'm picking with my heart, but, you know, somewhat with my brain. Uh, Detroit really impressed me. Detroit really, really impressed me. Both these teams did. Both these teams played better than I thought they would. So it's a tough pick, but I'm going with the home team. I'm going with Detroit. They're in a dome. Uh, Jared Goff plays very well in a dome. And I got to go with him. I got to go with him. Amon Ross St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson, some of the big names on this Detroit team. I think that uh, Jared Goff is better than Baker Mayfield. And I think there are some cracks in this Buccaneers team that were not able to be exploited by the Eagles. I mean, they they held they were held to nine points by the Panthers just uh, just a week before. So I think it's the Lions game, and uh, that would set up Detroit heading to Santa Clara to take on the San Francisco 49ers for the NFC Championship. If I'm correct, but by the way, I went two and four. So that is how I see that going. For the division around, but let's take it over. Let's talk some other Philly sports, right? Because we got two teams. Now that our football team's done, we can focus on some real teams, I think. Some much better managed teams in this city. You got your Sixers sitting in third place. Got a nice win on Tuesday night uh, over the the Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets. 
Uh, Sixers currently sitting in third in the East, uh, in the Eastern Conference. And if we take it over, by the way, by the way, Tyrese Maxey is a dog and Joel Embiid is having a tremendous season. It doesn't really take a lot to, to point that out, but I think getting rid of James Harding was, oh my goodness, such a great move. And I was, I was screaming for that. And I refused to watch the team until they did that. Now, now I'm getting back into them. So that was kind of my little strike. Everyone knows if you talk to me, I'm not a big basketball guy, but the Sixers team, you know, I'm going to get fooled by them again. It's like being a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? You are, uh, you're sucked in every year and they, they dis, uh, disappoint you in the second, typically, and sometimes the first round like this year for the Cowboys. So Sixers sitting in third in the East. Let's take it over to hockey, where your Philadelphia Flyers currently sit in second place in the Metropolitan Division. That's unbelievable. For such a young team, right, this is the difference coaching makes. This is why I know that Nick Sirianni needs to be fired, because in this city, we have a tremendous coach. We have John Tortorella, and he's he's benching people, and he's yelling at people, and he's saying that the guy that didn't want to play in Philly, he doesn't know him from a hole in the wall, right? And the Flyers with a tough road trip, three-game road trip uh, this weekend. What do they do? Oh, my goodness. They go out and they sweep the road trip. But before I get into it, I do want to remind you that you can catch past programming from KUR on Mixcloud and Spotify. If you missed some music-based shows, you can find them on Mixcloud. Just search Kutztown University Radio. By the way, Mixcloud is free. Right, so don't forget it's super simple to create an account. Just use your email address. Uh, you can download the app or go to mixcloud.com. And then talk-based programming like this show, uh, like Heavy Hitters, right? That'll be back up and running next week once we get back into the swing of things. Stay tuned to my Instagram for times, uh, or you could follow Heavy Hitters on Instagram. We also have a, a Heavy Hitters Instagram account. But uh, shows like this, the talk programming, that can be found on Spotify just by searching. Kutztown University Radio, and you can find it all right there. Mr. Regs, he's always so fast getting it up. Oh, it's so impressive. He really is a masterpiece. So your talk and music programming covered uh, if you do miss a show or if you just want to go back and listen to me uh, have a stroke about Nick Sirianni uh, on demand. You can do that. So don't forget that you can find all of the past programming. Uh, well, it, it is a lot. It is quite a bit of our past programming on Mixcloud and Spotify. Moving right along, your Flyers. Oh, my goodness. What a great weekend of hockey for Philadelphia. Uh, Flyers are now currently on a four-game win streak. Uh, we talked last after they had just beaten the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, they did that in a shootout. They would then have an overtime game against the Minnesota Wild. Flyers are now 3-1 to one in the third period. They came back and tied it. And then Joel Farabee. With the overtime game winner to give the Flyers the win. And then uh, Saturday, Saturday night during the NFL playoffs, they would play the uh, Winnipeg Jets, who were on an eight-game win streak, a 14-game point streak. Winnipeg playing some really good hockey, one of the NHL's best. Well, the Flyers decided, hey, we're going to shut them out, right? Uh, I believe it was Sam Arison in, in net that night. And... Um, Wow, what a great what a great game, excuse me. Uh I believe it was Cam Atkinson netted both goals for the Flyers after being on such a long goal drought. He uh he finally ends that with not one but two goals. Flyers would go on to win two to nothing. Uh and then they would follow that up with yet another win on uh Monday night. So 
The Flyers uh, really playing some good hockey. Really just uh, such an impressive young team, as I've said time and time again. This Drysdale kid, he looks insane. Uh, really has settled their power play down uh, even further. Uh, even further, he has really enabled this team to to hit just another another level, right? They they scored power play goals in, I believe, uh, I think the streak came to an end. I believe it was four straight games, which for the Flyers was pretty unheard of. And they had stopped more than 90% of their penalty kills, right? They had, they, I mean, the special teams is well coached. They're scoring shorthanded goals. They lead the league in, in shorthanded goals. And that's, uh, that's really impressive. So I am absolutely loving what I am seeing out of the Flyers right now. And I think everyone, Everyone should be. It's from the top down. It's from Tortorella, right? From the coaching and all the way down to the to the new guys that they've brought in, like Drysdale, like the you know the Bobby Brinks, right? Who, uh, you know, they're not supposed to be uh, really on track yet, but they're all playing very, very uh, united hockey. I guess would be the way I would phrase it. Uh, there's not one guy that is the absolute star, other than maybe Travis Konechny, but even he's been here a, a while and he's worked his way up, and he didn't you know, doesn't really have the ego problem that you see with a lot of stars like, oh, <clears throat> go to you. But Konechny uh, continues to rake, and, and they did it even with uh, without Drysdale and Couturier on Friday night. The Flyers were able to still get the overtime win. Joel Farabee finally had a uh, multi-goal game after a while not having that. Joel Farabee has always been one of the nice young forwards on this team. I love watching him play hockey. And the goaltending, I mean, the combination of Carter Hart and Sam Harrison uh, really have have steadied things um, in the net. So it's all three phases. It's the uh, it's the forwards, all four lines contributing. You see the fourth line getting in there. You see Hathaway and and Delorier. Uh, you see them laying laying hits on people all the time. If the team needs some energy, they're there to provide it. And uh, you know the defense, especially with Drysdale now, really a steadying force. The defense is getting up on attacks uh, more so. And they're getting back, and the shot blocking ability of this team of of guys like uh, you know all of the the defenders I just mentioned, Ristolainen, Drysdale does it a lot, and um, you know even some of the forwards coming back. I, I know that Lawton blocks a lot of shots, and uh, I know that Couturier does as well. There's just so so much uh, just selflessness on the team, and uh, the Flyers really showing the Eagles how to how to play as a united front and how to really be there for each other. But as much as I wish I could be there for you and talk some more Flyers hockey, I had to go a little overboard on the football this week, but don't worry. We'll have another week of uh, Flyers hockey in the books. I believe they got games coming up against Dallas. Yep. They play the Dallas stars at home tomorrow night, I guess tonight. Uh, and uh, then they will, do battle with the, oh man, who do they play on Saturday? That eludes me, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it is the, I think it's Colorado. Yeah, the Avalanche. The Flyers Avalanche playing on Saturday. I knew that. Totally knew it. Don't even question me. But in summary, Nick Sirianni needs to be fired. Everyone else needs to be fired on the Eagles. I'm tired of it. Tired of losing. And uh, the Flyers really carrying us through this dark time. Flyers and Sixers, both playing really well right now. Uh, maybe not championship hunters, but definitely entertaining at the least. And is that really 
I think that's all we can ask because we've been so disappointed after Eagle seasons gone by in the last 10 years because there's nothing to watch. But now we have something to watch and uh, we will bridge that gap to spring training with the Phils who continue to sit on their hands. That's all from me, Mitchell Smedley. This has been Backlash. There's plenty of that to go around this week. Uh, the name of the show really living up to its uh, to its intended purpose. So join me uh, at some point next week. Check my Instagram for when Backlash will resume. And uh, best of luck on your start to the spring semester. Spring 2024. That shocks me every time I look at it. Best of luck to all of you Golden Bears out there. And uh, thank you for joining me once more. I'll be back with you to rant and rave about all things Philly sports. But until that time, go Flyers, go Sixers. And uh, screw the birds. I'm out of here.